as an entrepreneur, it's like 90% of the time getting kicked in the nuts, right? Like this is not gonna get any better. Like this is not gonna get any better until I do it. But with entrepreneurship, it's just you're wearing 27 hats and you have to figure it out as you go. So for me, that was the biggest thing. It was absolutely terrifying. And you gotta want it, especially for entrepreneurs. You need all the energy you can get because life's gonna kick you in the mouth. If your dorsal vagal nerve is shut down, your whole body is, you're just gonna be dragging yourself through existence. And I guarantee it that you're gonna be predicated on stimulants, you know, just to wake up. And you're probably gonna be drinking just to go to sleep because you're so haywired. I mean, energy is everything, right? If you don't have energy, you have. I'm Darian. I'm Elena, and this is our podcast, Step Into Success. Where we give you an inside look at how people are currently creating success in their respective fields. Our mission is to bring you into the trenches for an inside view and hopefully give some inspiration and knowledge as you work towards success in your own way. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Step Into Success podcast. Today, our guest is Kyle Anthony Trotman from High Vibe Holonomics. Kyle, did I say that right? Holonomics? Yeah, Holonomics. Yep. Holonomics. Awesome. So, Kyle, man, he does a lot of great things with healing, helping people out. Um, Kyle, if you just want to give a quick introduction real quick, we'll uh, we'll get this going. Cool. Yeah, very simple. I'm the CEO and lead facilitator here at High Vibe Polynomics. And really what we focus on is psychoneuroimmunology of flow state and bioenergetic assessments behind uh, trauma-induced illnesses. So we teach a very, very simple curriculum based off the seven types of trauma, seven dynamics of health. And we also teach the seven requirements of change just to kind of give you a very, very simple platform of how to go to step A or from point A to point B in your journey of change or healing or however you want to slice that. We like to call it the education to transformative change. Got it. So if I had to sum it up in like one sentence, High Vibe Holonomics uses these principles of the mind, right, to help people heal from whatever it might be that they need help healing from. Yeah, I mean, that's perfect. I mean, it's a little bit more than principles. It's, it's like an applied practicum as well as an education curriculum too. But the best way that I can describe it is giving people a blueprint for where they need to go from wherever their initial assessment is to wherever their desired outcome is, right? Because if you start to realize the entrapment or enslavement of the process of desires, we want to pair it with an intention rather than it just being a desire. So we start to break down levels and maps of consciousness for people so they can understand where they're going from point A to point B. Very cool. Got it. Very cool. Got I it. like that that blueprint. It gives it almost like a like a scientific foundation to kind of build upon. So that's that's kind of neat. Yeah, we have to be I feel like we have to be rooted in neuroscience because then it kind of like falls into like the whole woo-woo categories and like the the new age stuff where it's like they're kind of you know, getting away from the point of like, what is concrete, and then also how we can we can break down, you know, activity values, action values, how those align with morals and actually true values, and then how you can actually harness your energy to be able to transform. And there's got to be some form of metrics, right? Because if you don't have metrics, you can't track it, right? And that's what science is there for. So if we just say, oh, hey, just go meditate, or hey, go do this, Right. We're not really getting tangible results unless we can get you from point A to point B. Gotcha. So how did you get started with all of this? I mean, is there like a particular point that just kind of like a switch flipped for you and you're just like, let's dive into that journey? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, this is kind of the biggest like emotional question. Thankfully, I've been asked it multiple times. So it's like I don't get teary eyed anymore. But my entire family was sick. Right. My uh, mom has four degenerative conditions. My dad had ulcerative uh, colitis. He had stage three. So that was helpful kind of like when I was more doing so the nutrition side when I was working with him back in 2017. And my brother was diagnosed with juvenile diabetes when he was nine. And he actually uh, was diagnosed after that when he was 25 with stage four kidney failure. And I actually lived in Los Angeles to be a caregiver for him before he got a double transplant. So everyone... <laughs> And my immediate family was sick and I was like, I should probably do something so I don't become the fourth victim, 
Wow. Okay. Wow. Super powerful, I guess, beginnings. So your mission and goal with all of this is just kind of to help people heal. Is there, you know, something beyond that now that you're, you know, bringing this to more people than just your immediate family? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are familiar with what MTP is. Obviously you guys are on the business side of things. Like it's a mass, a massive transformative uh, purpose or a massive transformative process. It depends on how you guys want to slice it. Uh, but me, it's for kids, right? I wasn't given any tools when I was a young kid to be able to navigate the emotional side of things, uh, whether that been trauma, adversity, or just con constant and chronic stress. Uh, so I see exactly like where we are right now in today's distracted society and constant, constant dopamine and dopaminergic, like uh, fixated society. And these kids need leaders, right? So for me, I kind of got that a little bit from my mom, you know, and my mom's side, specifically from her being a social worker. And it just stuck. You know, one of my mentors was Fred Rogers. Uh, he, I always put him on my Mount Rushmore of mentors. And for me, it's just about not just the family, it's about the future generations because they have all the essential tools, you know, skills, you know, the ability to acquire with all the technology that we have and essentially the DNA makeup to make the changes that we need to see going forward. So for me, it's it's more so about the future generations than it is just about, you know, people in general. It's about the entirety of the family. Wow. Super powerful. That is. It's amazing. So... You kind of spoke to a little bit, you know, the challenges that got you into this, you know, with your family's yeah. health and everything. Have you faced other obstacles as you started this journey, started growing and kind of what do those look like for you? Yeah, I mean, as an entrepreneur, it's like 90% of the time getting kicked in the nuts. Right. <laughs> um, you know, you got to learn how to have stress tolerance, know exactly how to stretch your challenge and skills balance. You need to know how to stretch your window of tolerance. But prior to that, I had 11 year substance abuse issue. So that was a key indicator where if I go down this route, one, I'm a slave to two systems. Right. And that is to myself and my own programming and obviously substance abuse. And then also to not being able to have autonomy right? And autonomy is my own choice with what I want to do with my life. If I go to a job, right? Or if I go to this, I don't have that sense of control. And the lack of autonomy is one of the key uh, triggers, Maslow's triggers uh, for, for burnout, right? And this is the reason why we see such an extensive amount of burnout in, in life is because people don't have that same control. So me wanting to tackle, you know, master myself and having a constant curiosity for what consciousness is as a whole, uh, but that was the biggest thing was to just make sure that I didn't become a statistic. Like that was the biggest thing to get past substance abuse for that long, which was about close to a third of my life. Um, that was like the biggest, biggest challenge. And then you get into entrepreneurship and you kind of, it's that jump out of a plane without a parachute and kind of figure yourself out. And hopefully there's a net at the bottom to keep you alive. Um, so those are the biggest challenges for sure. How did you kind of deal with the the entrepreneurship side of things? Like, did did you face any type of hesitation or anxiety around like going into this and doing this um, like full time, putting your all behind it? And was there anything that kind of helped you through those initial steps of getting to this point of success that you're at now? Yeah, I mean, five years of doing this part time which was helpful. So I got to chip away, which was really, really great. And then obviously coming up here in about, say about a week and a half, we'll be at two years full time. Um, but the biggest thing was knowing that I was going to die one day, right? So if I could put everything out on the line, if I could help out as many people as I possibly could, if I could go to sleep knowing that I gave everything I had, uh, that was the biggest thing. Because I know from when I was an employee, I wasn't, I, I, there was just a part of me that just didn't feel complete with what I was doing. I was like, yeah, it's cool. I'm, I, I know how to make money, but if that is what your extrinsic motivator is and that's your sole motivator, that's like the lowest barometer specifically, you know, of motivation. And for me, it was just basically saying, all right, well, you're going to go, right? I've seen enough people pass away in my life. You know, we all have a finite timeline within this physical existence. Uh, and then I also had a near-death experience in 2015. So I was like, yo, just, just fucking do it. Just put your whole heart, your whole mind, put your whole soul into a project that can help a future generation. So, yeah. So 
how long did you do it part-time before you went into it full-time and what, I guess, what was the defining moment that made you say, I'm going to pursue this full-time rather than part-time? Was it simply just like having enough clients, saving up enough money, you know, for people listening that are maybe also trying to, are they're doing something on the side right now? Like when should they know, Hey, let's take the plunge and do it full-time. Dude, that is, that is a great question. That's a question that I haven't been asked. Wait, we did uh, part-time for five years, which was super, super helpful because I was also taking care of my my parents at the time. I was being a part-time caregiver. I was also working a, a, a part-time job and doing this part-time. So it kind of felt like wow. three part-time jobs, you know, wow. in that process. And I remember I was living in Florida at the time and, you know, a company that I had worked with had just folded. And I literally, I remember I was just like, fuck this. Like, fuck this. I was like, it was Christmas. I was like, let's just go. And it was almost out of desperation. You know, I was like, I had five, six thousand dollars in the bank. Right. Like it, it, and I was just like, this is not going to get any better. <laughs> like, This is not going to get any better until I do it. And I was thankful to to just have that like kind of I wouldn't say bad break in your psyche it was that healthy break in the psyche where I was just like, it's kind of like a schism, right? Where it's just like you stay in this like comfortable pocket here where you're just trying to stay comfortable because you know what, you know, to predict or you're trying to go over here and your your mind is trying to split into decision. And I just had to go with one way and I was just like, it's never going to stop. So, and it hasn't since. Wow. So that's something that kind of comes up a lot in this entrepreneurial sector of things is that like pushing yourself beyond the comfort zone. What did that look like for you at first when you finally said like, okay, here's the schism. It's one side or the other. I'm going this route. Like, was it smooth sailing from there? Or did you still have to kind of work and chip away at certain challenges that maybe you've been facing or did new obstacles come up? Like, what did those initial first steps look like for you? I mean, the the biggest one that came up was the transition of 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 not just the comfortability, but also just of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like the one thing that I was very thankful for is that my business is portable, right? Like I have a home office, I have two other offices, but at the time I didn't even have a place to live, right? I was subletting at a place and I was preparing to get a place in Florida. And then the first month came and then everything started to unravel. I moved eight times in 15 months over the course of, you know, the last couple years. And that in its essence will make anybody go mad. So those were the constant obstacles that came up. And and thankfully, like I have a very strong faith. So God took care of us, you know, on a, a beautiful abundant side financially to be able to get us to that point. Um, but for me, it was it was terrifying. It was terrifying. Like it was to to make that jump when you're on that cliff. It's like the universe is like the hand that pushes you, right? And then it's also the hand that you can't see that's going to support you at the same time. And it's tough because we go through our human programming of, oh, like we're just so accustomed to be able to get a paycheck, right? And that's not what entrepreneurship is. Like it's mission driven. It's people driven. It's not paycheck driven. Uh, so to to make that switch, it was terrifying. It was like a full body, like what are we doing and you just have to do it. And once you do it, then it's 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 freedom. It really is. Because you learn how to solve problems on the fly, right? And anybody that is, say, even an entrepreneur, CEO, you just wake up and you're constantly solving problems, right? Mm-hmm. You're constantly solving problems. So once you get into a solution-oriented mindset, it becomes easier. But that was challenging because when you go to a job, you're not really solving a lot of problems. You're just doing what people are telling you to do because the problem is inevitably going to be solved, right? Whether it's customer service, yada, yada. But with entrepreneurship, it's just you're wearing 27 hats and you have to figure it out as you go. So for me, that was the biggest thing. It was absolutely terrifying. Like I probably shit my pants. I'm not going to lie if I'm being completely honest with you. And you just got to do it, right? And once you do it, there's just something that comes over where like, I got this, right? Like I got this. And then it just becomes a natural rhythm. So yeah, new obstacles obviously come up because new things arise, but you know, for me, it was the greatest decision I think that I've ever made outside of getting sober. Wow. Um, you actually said something right there that sparked a question in my mind. But before we get too far down the road, I actually want to go back to something you said a few minutes ago. You mentioned a gentleman, and you're going to have to remind us of his name, um, that was, you said, on your Mount Rushmore of mentors. And my question is, if you have a Mount Rushmore of mentors, that means correct me if I'm wrong, you must have several people that were mentors in your journey. 
Um, did they just come up organically? Did you seek them out, like knowing that you needed a mentor? Can you explain to us like how mentorship has helped you in your journey? Yeah, dude, that is a fantastic question too, because we really emphasize within our company mentorship, uh, not only just for our students, but also just for the kids, because our youngest client is eight. Uh, but it, I would say it just came organically, right? Like I wasn't really seeking. I have a feeling too, this is just kind of how I see and teach energy, is that if you know you need something, right, and you just ask, like it will be given. You don't have to keep seeking it. It will find you. And that is also a principle of the law of detachment, like solutions just emerge, right? And kind of uncertainty is a reality if you let everything kind of unfold the way that it's supposed to be naturally. Uh, but like my Mount Rushmore is Eric Thomas, right? Kobe Bryant, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., and then obviously Fred Rogers. And that's, you know, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Just very, very, you know, just amazing human beings in their own right, but also uh, a perfect balance between tenacity and tenderness, which you need to take care of people, which you need to serve people, which you need to be able to support families, especially mothers and uh, and children, you know, in the like. But yeah, it just kind of came to me, man. I was never really a person that seeked out mentorship, but I knew that I needed direction because I was going down a bad path. I wasn't even just going down a bad path. I was pretty much just already in a perpetual spiral. So once that kind of came to me, it just made it made sense to constantly keep seeking out information. And that's one of my five activity values is constant knowledge and learning so you can up your game. So yeah, just kind of kind of flowed to me. Wow, that's that's interesting. And, and gosh, that, it's just it's funny you mentioned that because here just recently I was reading a book or something and, and somebody in the book talked about, hey, you don't have to know your mentor personally. Like you can find someone like so for example for you how did how did Kobe Bryant become a mentor uh you know like did you just decide I want to be successful in my own way the way he is successful and then you started paying attention to what he was doing or for people in the audience right how do you seek out like mentorship from someone you don't know like how did you do that personally yeah so we line up what we like to call intrinsic and extrinsic motivation uh, so intrinsic motivation, there's five key indicators to that. And it's about autonomy. It's about autolicity, which is your self-purpose, uh, curiosity, passion, but then also at the same time, mastery. And you correlate that to the people you want to learn. And Kobe Bryant was mastery. Like the dude was absolutely maniacal. And for me, it it just reminded me of what it takes, right? Like when it goes down to entrepreneurship, like you're going to have the two o'clock in the morning, you're going to have the four o'clock in the morning, you're going to have an all nighter, right? It's just going to be an obsession. And for me, my my whole goal was to be able to translate that to leadership without translating the cynicism behind it, right? Because there's a lot of self-interest when you come into to obsession. And that's one of the key indicators of burnout. So for me, how I help people with that is line up intrinsic, extrinsic motivators to your values and your activity values, right? Because you can have values that are characteristic based, but you can also have values that are purely based on activities and action that you need to take. Because if you don't take action, nothing's going to change. So for right. me, that's how I lined it up. That was extremely important. And then obviously the courage, you know, strength that came from Martin Luther King, uh, quietness, patience, the ability to listen and interpret information that came from Fred Rogers. And Eric Thomas was very similar to, to Kobe Bryant and his orator skills, right? His ability to speak. And I also paired that specifically with Martin Luther King Jr. as well. So I just paired up those values. For me, I love speaking, right? If I didn't have cohesive, concisive speech, it's very hard to educate people for people to be able to interpret what you're, what you're teaching. So I just lined up those people with those, those values. And then also the intrinsic and extrinsic motivation factors. That's, that's awesome, man. I, I think that's some, some really great, valuable uh, information for, for myself. And I'm sure for everyone listening one, Hey, one other thing that I want to pop back to, um, because I think this is important. A lot of the people that we're hoping to reach through our podcast are individuals at any age, but especially young people, hopefully that are maybe wanting to be an entrepreneur, wanting to run their own business. Um, you said as CEO of your company, you have to wear about 27 different hats, right? What hat would you say is the most difficult one? What is it? Is it the creative side? Is it the managing like the finances side? Like what is something that you think people, what for you is the most difficult? So if you had to give advice on what other people should try to learn to help them in their entrepreneurial journey, what would that be? Does that 
Does that question make make sense for you? Absolutely, absolutely. I always love when people have the you know the question where they're like, "Does that make sense?" And we live in kind of like a sensical, nonsensical, paradoxical world. It's kind of fascinating because <laughs> like when I'm processing it, I'm like, "Okay, well, my answer is going to be way different for people who have more people on their staff." Like I only got four people that I work with, so it's a little bit right. different. I would say delegation and creativity, right? Okay. That's the challenging okay. because when you have so many things you have to obviously manage time delegate that and then you also has to be on top of research you have to be on top of product development that's mine um but also at the same time my advice for people out there is like just prepare to eat shit for a couple years okay <laughs> anywhere from 2 to 5 years like if you're going to get into it like just get prepared to get wiped with the floor it is not it's it's not for the faint of heart and i don't discourage that because we need people out there to be able to be innovators and then people that are going to blaze the new frontier specifically when it comes down into technologies consciousness things like that but mine mine has always been creativity because when i get swamped with people my creative process gets convergent focus so i can't expand a lot of my creativity process but obviously in the last like couple of months has been super super helpful by delegating certain things so i can get more into product development as we switch different roles different aspects of the business too uh because it, it's like a it's like a tango right you got to find a rhythm yeah. and you got to find a flow that's why we teach flow is because flow is very intricate and once you can dial it in you know exactly what you're focusing on um but obviously everybody is is going to be different but for me it's it's definitely the creative process cuz that's where i really like to to use my artistic mind to be able to bring that to the marketplace amazing cool. yeah it's a great answer so can we get into a little bit more about like the specifics of your business like what is holonomics and regenerative health and just the type of work that you're doing with people Yeah, absolutely. The best place that I can start is the regenerative healthcare. Um right. essentially it's sovereignty of the mind to have autonomy of the body. Um sovereignty of the mind means you have your own choice. Autonomy of the body means you have control over those decision makings. Um and if you're familiar with Maslow's burnout inventory, we have to teach polars because we do teach the cognitive load specifically for flow state and the opposite of flow is burnout. So if we teach people how to not burn out or burnout proof, they can engage in flow triggers a lot more simpler. And there's about 22 like really awesome flow triggers uh for people to start to to get intrigued by and curiosity is one of those intrinsic motivators. So we really take people down this notion of your health is your responsibility. And if it's dependent or codependent, dependency being a physical thing, codependent being an emotional thing to any outside system, it's an, it's a slave system. These systems that keep us matrix, right? Kind of indoctrinated to for us to not be able to think for ourselves, strip away our ability to have sovereign choice and then also autonomy choice. So that's the main focus on regenerative healthcare because if you look at nature, it's regenerative, right? Yeah. It's interdependent. So if we let it go and stop, you know, fucking with it, right? It would take care of itself, right? It doesn't need our intervention. So we need to be able to teach humans the same principles of having independent mental health and emotional health so they can be interdependent in their engagement and cooperative with other people specifically in society to actually have an impact and that alone picks back up off of my initial activity value which is business with impact within integrity so all of the things is teaching this web of how to keep a flow within your own activity values and then we just do metrics where are you at energetically right do you need a food plan do you need a movement plan Do you need to know what your BMR and your TDEE is? Do you need to go through hermetic stressors? Do we need to get you in a, you know, cold plunge or an infrared sauna four times out of the week to give you metrics on where your burnout metrics are and then also where your flow triggers are so we can teach you how to properly use your mind for for your own health. Wow. That's there's a ton of like <laughs> awesome informational nuggets just packed within just that brief statement you had there. Um, sure. so something that kind of as you were talking just kind of came to my mind like do you find that people are aware of their current situation or not and if not like how do you bring their awareness to the fact that like hey man you're burnt out you know or like just bringing their cognition to their current state because i feel like a lot of us whether we mean to or not maybe are just kind of 
zombifying our way through the world in some sense, you know, at one point or another. So how do we help people to kind of wake up? That's that is by far probably one of my favorite questions because it's really sticky until you actually do the research. Burnout in itself is subperceptual, means it comes onset. It's actually known as a medical disorder, um, a disease by a thousand micro lacerations. And these are also known as adverse pre onset experiences. So they, it just pops up on you. There's 12 stages, and this was all broken down by Frederick Heidenberg in 1974. And depending on where you are at that stage, you'll start to see characteristics happen within the being. Once you start to get to like stage eight, nine, 10, shit starts to get really scary. So Awareness, what you're talking about on the energetic log through the maps of consciousness, these are things, um, you know, that that are not only helpful tools, but really deep developments by Dr. David Hawkins to tell you where your energetic log is. And awareness is at 700. Shame and guilt are at like 20 to like 30. So you're like nearing death when you're constantly in a shame and guilt cycle. So when you have the awareness, right, we have to have awareness. What you said is perfect because that's your first line of defense. If you're not aware of shit, you're going to be running on autopilot. And if you're burnt out and that's your program, you're definitely going, you know, this much closer to the grave each day that you're waking up. You're probably pounding coffee. You're probably running around. You're probably not getting sleep. If you're in northern latitude, you're not properly, you know, dialed in with the sun via the circadian rhythm. There's so many challenges. So we would have to take a full assessment. This is what I always tell people. Press the brakes right? Press the brakes and then take a full assessment so we can see because science has proved that it takes about four to five months of a proper protocol for you to fully engage back in to your body. So you're associated with your body. You're not disassociated through a program. So awareness is key. But if you teach people, you know, levels of consciousness where it is on the energetic log, they can be like, oh, wow, I've been feeling like this. I've been feeling like this for a long time. Oh, I can trace my memory to a time where I was feeling like this. And this just keeps compounding over time. And it's the same thing. Compounded interest works negatively just as it does positively, right? And it's it's really fascinating once you start to give people the proper assessments of just where there are and just give them simple metrics, right? If you have six major burnout triggers, right, we can really start to gauge what awareness we need and what parts of your life, specifically within the seven dynamics of health, that can help you get back to a sense of ease within the system a sense of peace within the system, which is logged at 600 on the energetic scale. But then also it gives you ability to stop feeling like you're rushing everything. You're forcing everything. You're busy, busy, busy. You're not busy. You're burnt out. <laughs> you're, you're pressing the gas while you have a governor on your car, right? You're just the aura e-brake. You have an e-brake on and you're just trying to press the gas, trying to get to the next place. So awareness is key. And that gives you an ability to see exactly what metrics that we need to focus on so you can dial it back and you can actually be present for your job, for your kids, for your future endeavor, especially for entrepreneurs. You need all the energy you can get because life's going to kick you in the mouth. Like you're going to go through adversity like left and right. So awareness is super, super key. Wow. Yeah, that's... Again, a ton of information just packed into that statement. So... and. I guess, let me try and think how to phrase this question. You kind of mentioned family, job, like being present for all these different aspects of life. When you're working with people in these, um, in the programs that you're helping them through, is it something that they can integrate into their current life? Or is it something that like when you're at this level where you need this healing, you just need a total overhaul of everything and almost like an intervention? How does that, how do you kind of, work with people to heal within their current phase of life and what they're experiencing. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's a great question too, because it can be, depending on the severity of the burnout, it can be really, really toxic, specifically to just wipe the slate clean. Because what I've always told people in the traditional models and obviously the allopathic model of traditional psychotherapy, talk therapy, things like that, if you don't pay attention to physics before you get into the psyche, you're not going to understand energy dynamics. If you had somebody at stage 12 burnout, like complete physical and mental exhaustion and just completely wipe the board, they would be exhausted and probably in bed for maybe like two weeks. You can't just, you have to slowly bit by bit give them little chunks. And that's the reason why we call chunking of, you know, motivational goals for them to slowly get their system back. Because what's beautiful about the body is that it heals you, right? You don't have to think about anything. You don't have to think about the food that you chew and digest. You don't have to think about your heart beating. 
right? You don't have to think about your blood coursing through you at any time. So we have to play the physics game before we play the psyche game. And what's really, really important to understand is within those seven dynamics, seven representing the number of power, if we can chunk bit by bit and give you metrics and a roadmap to stay within your activity values and then also give you proper motivation, you'll start to see this system come back online. And you got to want it. Right? You got to want it. You have to intend to want to be the best version of yourself for something outside of yourself because we all know if you're entrepreneurship, you don't get it in, you don't get into this for yourself. But, and when you become a father, you don't become a father for yourself, right? You don't become, you know, a partner for yourself. Like, this is the reason why, you know, having partnership is so important in all aspects of life. So we have to look at the seven dynamics just to make sure that you have full sense of empowerment. So you can take that courageous step and Courage is the first step above pride on the energetic scale, and that process is empowerment. Once you keep taking bit by bit courageous steps on these little incremental maps, you're going to be solid. But if we just wiped the slate clean, you could be out for two months. I've heard really like horror stories, you know, with, you know, business people and then also CEOs where they just had to be like apartment or home locked in for like two, three months because it got so bad. So you want to avoid that. Yeah, the level of coming, different things coming at people, you know, from all angles and um, managing that can can be tough. But it sounds like you kind of have a, a roadmap, like you're seeing a blueprint for people to follow. So that's really encouraging. So. Yeah, so that's, that is a, yeah, that's, that's a super interesting. And we've talked a bit this morning about burnout. Um, I know I personally, and I don't know if why I think this, but just personally, when when I hear about healing and regenerative health, I think about things like addictions, right? Who all, so who all needs to heal, Kyle? Like who all do you work with as far as what they're, um, what they need to heal, right? So addictions, burnout, what else is there? Dude, great question. Well, here, I'm going to, I'm going to throw one at you because we were high vibe healing before we changed our name in October to high vibe holonomics. Main reason why we did that is because we had to see the full scope and the whole scope. Holonomics and neuroscience and brain theory means the entirety of the whole, right? We need to take the entirety of the whole approach rather than just the healing approach. And from psychoanalytic theory, Carl Jung said this, and, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said there is no such thing as healing. There's just letting go. Right. Oh, wow. and, and when we go through a process of release, it's called neutrality in the system. Have you ever noticed you can go back to a memory and you can pinpoint that exact memory, relive it, and there's no emotional charge if it had a negative experience to it? It's because you release the charge. Right. So everybody has to do this. Why is because our attention span is so important. That's where our, our energy goes, right? Wherever our attention goes, our energy flows. But we have an average of six to eight seconds of an attention span as adults right now. We go in and out of memory 15 to 50 times per hour. We have 56 disruptions. This is all instituted uh, research from Gallup. 56 disruptions per day. We check our email 36 times per hour, right? And then this, and we wonder why this stuff is so, you know, loaded up within our cognitive basis, right? We have decision right. fatigue on what we're wearing, how much makeup we need to put on, right? We have compassion fatigue for all the people that are fucking sick in this world. Right. Especially shout out to all those people that have done caregivers because there's a new medical disorder known as caregiver prostomatic stress. That's a lot to take care of somebody that cannot take care of themselves. So to answer yours just outside of those details and those, you know, those research facts is fucking everybody. Everybody needs to be on a protocol to lessen the cognitive load and the allostatic load. Allostatic load is the entirety of what's being poured into you accumulatively throughout the day. Right. So emotional stress, physical stress. Right. This is the reason why I'm so, so, so hell bent on being like, get in the sauna, do cold, uh, cold showers, ice baths. So your body can get shocked into having a healthy dorsal vagal response. If your dorsal vagal nerve is shut down, your whole body is you're just going to be dragging yourself through existence. And I guarantee it that you're going to be predicated on stimulants, you know, just to wake up. And you're probably going to be drinking just to go to sleep because you're so haywired. Right. And when you get to about stage 10 and 11, when it comes down to the depersonalized stage, uh, um, stages specifically within burnout, this is where substance abuse comes in. And if you have a genetic predisposition to that, right, or if you just have those tendencies, 
you know, it's it can get extremely dangerous, right? And then you have the fallout specifically of all the other people that you care about. So whether it's trauma, whether it's addiction, they're all interwebbed specifically from your genetic predisposition and then what happened in your childhood before seven. That's why we have to give you a full br- blueprint. So if we can see all your metrics, we can really be like, hey, we're giving you a full system. We're not saying, hey, go to a hypnotherapist or hey, go to a therapist and talk with somebody. We're giving you like, hey, what is energy as a whole? Because if you ever do the research and realize if you just go to talk therapy or hypnotherapy, hypnotherapy doesn't change habits. Subconscious is not built on a habitual aspect, that's the conscious mind. And if you go to talk therapy and you just talk about your problems, there's a dopaminergic aspect within your receptors, which means you're just getting a cheap dopamine hit by talking about your problems, right? So we needed to change, we need to change the scale. So everybody needs to have something extremely potent. And that was just my, my gist of wanting to bring that to the marketplace. So they had a one-stop shop for change so they can understand all metrics of energy so they could take their life back. That's, that's, that's pretty, yeah, that's, that's just, that's, that's a lot, man. That's, that's, that's great. I I, I love it. I think that, uh, yeah, I think there's a, there is obviously a huge market right now of people needing, like you said, everyone, right? Everyone needs, needs, needs help like this. Why do you think that this type of work that you do is more important now than, than ever before in human history? Is it, would you say that this type of work that you're trying to to bring to the marketplace is more important now than it ever has been in human history? And if so, why, why is that? What's, what's going on in society that is making what you do so important? Yeah. I mean, energy is everything, right? If you don't have energy, you have nothing. And your energy is fraction specifically from distraction. Right. And then also when we teach trauma, which is neurophysiological disassociation, disassociation is your mind away from your body and neuro just being in the mind and physiological is neurophysiological disassociate. Your mind and your body are, are against each other. Right. That promotes more distraction and confusion within the system. Right. We promote alleviation of the cell danger response and the cell danger response just says all the cells are perceiving threats. Right. So if you're not focused on something, right, and you're fractioned within your mind and your body, your cells are going to perceive everything as a threat. So therefore, they're going to shut down and they're not going to produce ATP, which is the main fuel source for our mitochondria, which is the powerhouse of the cell. So everything is now is just it's predicated on energy, right? So your focus starts it, right? The molecular structure, which is your emotionality and all the things coming from the cells, and then also the cellular structure, like what's happening to the mitochondria. So if you don't have energy, everything falls apart everything falls apart systematically too literally it's a phenomenon so this is the reason why rampant chronic fatigue is a massive thing right now and it has been for quite some time if you could look at the symptomology of chronic fatigue and burnout they're literally the exact same thing we just make up these words just to tell people about diseases that are already there and all of it is is symptomology because there is no disease there's healing and adaptation right your body is learning to adapt two environments just based off of the the signals that you give it and your biggest signal is your thought process but if your thought process is distracted where do you, what's going to happen right so now we're teaching all these kids oh we'll we'll go out to to eat and we'll give you a tablet while you're trying to eat you're trying to eat while you're trying to be distracted i'm like guys this kid is going to grow up so fractioned right and then you have these 6 to 8 year olds hopped up on ritalin and adderall like it's just it doesn't make any sense because you can't focus until you're 12. Beta brainwaves, which is your focus attention, which what you guys are in because you guys are listening to me talk, doesn't develop until you're 12 years old, wow. right? I work with an eight-year-old because she can actually focus. She's got a really awesome family that's supportive on on what she's endeavored. She'll probably be a valid Victorian in high school because she's super, super smart, but could she can focus and those are those anomalies. The reason why this stuff is so important and teaching people awareness concentration elongated concentration is because that's where the energy starts then if everything's fractured right if you're trying to do five things at once your system is confused it's overloaded and then the allostatic load it's like trying to pour water into a full cup right it's going to overflow and everything's going to start to systematically fall apart so whether it's working with me right or Working in other forms of, you know, understanding energy as a whole, it is massively important, especially if you're trying to do great stuff on this one life that we get, right? It's massively important. And that's the reason why we have such 
terrible understanding of how the mind actually functions in this distracted society in the 21st century. Yeah, um, that's that's a great point. And you said something there that actually is a perfect segue to a question I, I wanted to ask. We're going to be adding links in the description of these videos and everything, and people are going to be able to see your site. And I would strongly recommend anybody that you know is in need of, of your help reach out to you and start to work with you. But my question is, aside from working with you or you know another you know provider or something, what are just some things that your average person can just start doing in their day to day life right now to help with burnout, distraction, all of these type of things? I know you've mentioned saunas and, and cold baths and things like that. What are, what are some things people can just do just right now, tomorrow morning, Monday, when they wake up, what can they do to just start improving a little bit? Um, one, take Maslach's burnout inventory, and that's M-A-S-L-A-C-H-S, Maslach's burnout inventory, just to kind of see where you're at. Understand the six burnout triggers, which one is the lack of control. Um, the, the second is an insufficient reward. Uh, three is values conflict. And then you start to trickle into things like breakdown of community, things like um, work overload, right? Start to understand where you're at. And if you can say yes to any of those, you can start to reassess where you're at. Two, know exactly where you're at within you know the country, wherever you are, whether it's in the United States, anywhere else, and your latitude and your connection, obviously, to your circadian rhythm. Sleep is king. Right, because you can't rewire a foundation of the mind until you repeat every process that you're trying to learn and you rest. Right, those are the two principles of rewiring: is rest and repeat, 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 repeat. Take 66 days to embed a neural pathway that was done in a study in 2009 by the College of London, and you don't rewire, you don't process consolidate information unless you're properly resting. So you need to be aligned with the proper circadian rhythm. Right, so that's it. Pick a time to go to sleep every single night. Be as best as you can and close with it. This is if you have severe energy issues, and pick the same time to wake up every single morning. Right, you have to get dialed in. I always recommend seven hours of sleep for people who are extremely burnt out or on that scale. Um, obviously, for those that have unicorn blood in their twenties and early thirties, like myself, like you can run it a little bit differently if you can understand different metrics within energy. Um, I don't want to take away from the people that are out there grinding too, because that's just kind of how I got my way too. If you're in that certain parameter where you're having struggles, right, with your energy, you have to dial in your rest. You have to dial in your rest. And then you can start to incrementally put in those things like the infrared, like the um, cold showers. Cold showers are super, 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 super simple, right? And and not only that, when you go through these processes, when you have hypoarousal in your system or hyper arousal in your system when you have shock to the system it's a process known as hormesis your body can actually equilibrate so you have an optimal arousal within your window of tolerance so you can actually focus on stuff right because if you ever realize you have hypo arousal or hyper arousal you can't focus on anything right you're all over the place so we need to teach the incremental things and then start with a, a morning flow i don't like the word routine it's too rigid i like flow you always hear me flow. If you always talk and and connect with me, I'm always talking about flow, right? It's the it's my passion. So if I could teach you flow in the morning, right? And you can know the triggers and how to dial it in, then you'll start to see your being just kind of release the proper neurochemicals and neurotransmitters it needs to to properly dial in your day. So having a morning flow, having a possible power down before you go to sleep too. Those are the biggest ones that I always tell people. Start small, right? Journal right? Journaling is always helpful because it dumps the cognitive load, right? If you can do that in the morning within the first 30 to 45 minutes, simple meditations, right? Starting with open senses, starting to feel your body so you can put your awareness on different parts of your body. This is a process known as yoga nidra. Uh, that is also part of non-sleep deep rest. Non-sleep deep rest, there's five key components to that. Uh, the reason why it's called the power five, because it's five times more restorative than sleep. So you have creative imagery, mental rehearsal, visualization, uh, meditation, and also yoga nidra. So scanning your body, putting your awareness on different sensations. This is actually a restorative, healthy process. So simple things. And just reach out. We give away shit all the time for free, right? One-to-one okay. -one stuff is always valuable because I can really get into your metrics and really get into the unit. And connection is a, is a huge motivator for me, for people. And obviously, it's a biological drive for everybody. You want to be able to connect with like-minded and like-hearted people. 
but like just show up our facebook group we we do we post out uh the healing underground which is our preliminary uh platform we talk about everything like this we had a episode last week specifically about um psychedelics and plant medicine like we go into all of this stuff so if you need questions just you know just hop on in we do it bi-weekly on thursdays you know at 7 p.m central standard time you can ask questions keep it simple for awesome that's great great information thank yeah. you yeah and we'll be, like we said we'll be sure to put some links you know in the once we release this interview and that way people can see where they can connect so um so one thing like you you kind of mentioned trauma a few times throughout the yeah. conversation what role does trauma play in people's lives and in your opinion why do you think it's so rampant in this current age that we're in yeah yeah i mean the the million dollar question right it is trauma everything trauma everything well stats here right because i like to to keep everything specifically aligned with science the the rhetoric behind trauma we didn't really know about it until the 1995 oklahoma city bombings right that's when it really got predicated into the consistent basis of what trauma is started a little bit in the gulf and gulf war you know right around the early 90s and trickled in but there was something about the oklahoma city bombings that was just it was just constant it was all over the news all of it was just constantly circulating 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 all the time but the reason why it was so important at that time rather than the vietnam war or any other time before that is because the science on a cognitive level started to catch up right we didn't have all that beforehand and it takes roughly anywhere from 40 to 60 years of scientific literature for the actual society paradigm to shift right so this is the reason why this stuff is still relatively new right where we weren't talking about this from you know veterans in world war ii and vietnam even though they were still having these symptoms we just didn't have the basis of information to be able to have that same type of help whether that was through the va or other type of things so trauma in its essence has more than 30 defined definitions via science the easiest one is an egoic state right so you have your awareness as a whole okay you have 0.006 of your entire awareness is conscious by nature that's your neocortex your frontal lobe not a lot of bandwidth, right? 99.994% of your entire awareness is sub-perceptual, so your subconscious mind. These are all things in your limbic system and then the brainstem, right? So anything that bypasses that thin threshold within the conscious mind can be deemed traumatic if the nervous system, right, and the body as a whole connects it to a past experience that was connected to something that was traumatic in your childhood. From the ages of zero to six, you have no mental faculties. You are a you were a fresh computer so anything downloaded during that time you're in your world of feelings right so it doesn't right. matter how little doesn't matter how major it was it's deemed traumatic to that child so by the time you hit seven you start to produce these different parameters within the mind where you're like oh well i'm starting to create an identity for myself right from zero to six you're purely dependent on your environment so 50 percent of you is mom and dad the other 50% is built between zero and six. It's a psychological phenomenon known as egocentrism. So whatever is happening at that time starts to become the blueprint of how you extend your life. And then every compounded experience on top of those initial timeframes start to create your physiology. And this is where triggers come from, right? So all that now we have trauma, right? What happened from zero to six is, is just extensive and just extending to your time frame right now. So this is the reason why you're not just going to hear about trauma just as one single event. You're going to hear more so about childhood trauma, how they correlate and how they connect. So the reason why trauma is super, super important to understand is because we're getting it a little bit confused with adversity and stress, right? Stress is environmental stimuli, right? Adversity is our perspective and our perception that we put on the experience. And trauma is what's stuck in the body. Right. So whatever is triggering the body, that's when you have these heightened arousals or hyper or hypo arousals. And that's the reason why it's extremely important to always track certain times that happen between zero and six. And we teach the seven types of trauma. So you're actually educated on where this stuff is coming from. Right. Okay. What time frames they're coming from. If it's from zero to two adverse babyhood experiences, if it's coming pre-birth adverse multi-generational experiences, science has found up to 14 generations through your lineage starts to happen before you even come earthside. So you have to start to understand consciousness is 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 one of the most fascinating things because it's non-local and it's eternal. Right. 
So things that have happened in your lineage in the past before you were even aware of who you were are affecting you and your neural circuitry and your biology. So the reason why trauma is is not only just a hot word is because it's now come to the forefront that it is the leading cause of pre-existing conditions. And this is where the adverse childhood experience study um, that was done from 1995 to 1997 really started to hit the scene. And this is right around that time with the Oklahoma City bombings. And now it's starting to hit the mainframe because we're hitting around 20 year 2025. So probably within the next five years, this stuff will be the leading key indicator of what we need to do from a healthcare standpoint, if not already. So it kind of, I mean, I think it could be easy for people to almost use trauma like a crutch, like, oh, this traumatic thing happened to me. And so now I'm stuck here. Like it's, it's in my body. It's in my mind. Um, what are some things that people can do to sort of, I mean, obviously you will go much more in depth. People choose to work with you. Um, but just kind of like surface level briefly, like, are there certain changes that people can make, whether it's mental, physical, specifically for trauma to help kind of just almost like loosen them out of this maybe victim mentality, Mm -hmm. um, and kind of take that autonomy and that power back for themselves. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, there's twofold aspects is neurologically get educated and physiologically get educated. So neurologically, you have to understand consciousness, right? Victim and abuser consciousness is anywhere from shame all the way up to pride, right? Once you get past pride, the next step is courage. So you have to understand the emotional physiological aspect because emotions are all molecules, right? This is Candace Pert's work, emotions um, or the molecules of emotion, amazing foundational work that she did uh, to break down that every time we have an emotion, we have a chemical cascade going through our system that starts to change the functionality of our body. So first things first, get educated on that because once you have more assigned meaning, you have a reason to want to repeat a process to change. And then physiological, you have to understand just what the stress adaptation is to trauma. So you got to get a movement plan, right? Most people who go through chronic fatigue, I'm like 10,000 steps a day. Just get on it. Start there and then start to compound over time and then getting to other functional movements that are a little bit more easy to understand. And then obviously, if you go through a memory retracing process. We do something called subconscious dynamics. It kind of helps alleviate the system as a whole psychosomatically, but you want to get educated and move, right? Anything that's not moving has inertia. So shame, guilt, fear, anxiety promotes inertia in the body. And that's the reason why people are in shame cycles, guilt cycles. They tend to stay in bed, right? People who are depressed, they have a hard time getting up right? It's because inertia, they're called two density emotions and emotions are magnetic. So if you have lower thresholds, they pull you down, right? If you ever feel bliss, you're just, you're out here, you're having fun, you're having a good time, right? But if you feel shame, guilt, anxiety, and depressed, you feel like a, like you're a shell of yourself because you have to look at physics, right? I always tell people to reiterate this, look at the physics of energy before you look at the psyche because energy will pull you down, right? Or it will bring you up. And that's the same notion of misery loves company. The predominant state to shame on an emotional side is a miserable existence. And these are just maps of consciousness. So when you can get educated, also the reason why, I actually had a student ask me this last week, why do you think this stuff is more rampant, right? It's because we have the neuroscience principle of assigned meaning. If you give somebody an assigned meaning, they're going to want to repeat the process. So if you give them a reason why they're doing something or a reason why they're being educated, they're going to want to either change or repeat what they're already doing to promote further change. And that is the nature of evolution. It's always changed. So getting educated and then taking action. And if it's hard for you to take action, that's what mentorship is for. Trust me, that's what trainers are for so they can push you and also nurture you because some people have gone through some crazy shit. They and, and trying to push them to an extreme is not the smartest idea to do, right? You want to also know where people's window of tolerance are, also their trauma and stress responses, so you can push them to grow, but not capsize them so they give up. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's that's really that's really great stuff. Um, Kyle, one 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 other thing I want to ask as we kind of wrap up here is, you know. You've mentioned change a few times, and it seems to me like obviously one of the main reasons why people would work with you or, you know, work in this regenerative holistic health type 
environment is they want to change, right? They want to change for the positive. Without, you know, giving away some of your stuff that you that you would go to in your classes, what are, you know, I've seen on your website like seven requirements of change. Uh, I've seen, you know, phrases and stuff like this. I know you teach that. What are some of the requirements that people need to change? What are some ways that people can start changing, start creating new habits, start making more positive differences in their life? For sure. Yeah, well, one, it's you got to have a roadmap, okay? And the roadmap from the seven requirements to change, we obviously teach kids, right? And then we also predicated on the Feynman technique. Feynman technique basically says master something, which we did with energy as a whole. Be able to teach a kid, five-year-old or younger, that means you know how to master it, right? Keep reviewing the process and then also change accordingly. You know, that's to kind of sum it up. There's obviously many different variations of the Feynman technique, but it's it's how to master teaching so you can efficacy like put people into a learning experience. So the roadmap is really simple, right? Starts with a desire and then an intent, right? If you don't have a process for the desire that is based on intent, it's going to be enslavement. That's where people are like, oh, I want this, I want this. It's craving, craving, craving. That's enslavement, right? right. For you to have an intent means you're going to set the actual motion in the process. And then you have to change your thoughts. Thoughts are electric, right? We're electric beings. About 95, if not more percent of our being is electric. So our thoughts have to change. Then they have to pair with new feelings. Feelings are magnetic. This is a principle in quantum physics known as electromagnetism. Those are the three. Right. Very, very simple. That starts the process. Then you need an executive plan because if you don't take any action, nothing's going to happen. You can't truly, truly think yourself to a constant state unless there's some action behind it. Right. There has to be changed behavior. Five, this goes into the law of repetition, which is the governing agency of the neocortex. You repeat, you repeat, you repeat. Aristotle said you become what you repeatedly do. Very, very simple. Old school philosophy within the Stoics. This stuff is not rocket science guys we got to keep it simple for kids to understand six is the hardest one it's devotion that means you need to do shit when it sucks right this is the entrepreneurial code right when you wake up you got a backache no one cares right your baby needs to be fed right Right. you got six sales calls doesn't matter you got a little migraine figure it out right you it's just it's more of the tenacious side that comes from it and then seven it's a lifestyle it becomes who you are the world responds to who you are doesn't care about what you want The world does not give a shit about what you want, but you care about what you want. So you need to become who you need to be so the world responds to that. So that is the seven requirements. And you got to get detailed because it has to pair with your activity values, right? Because if anything that you're doing within those frameworks is outside of your activity values, you're going to hemorrhage your energy, right? You're going to hemorrhage your concentration. So for me, I keep it simple. I have five activity values. If there's anything outside of that, I don't do it. So I know I can stay focused, right? And then you have to work within those cycles, Uh, of where you're at because we're always in cycles right so the easy part is getting clear once you have clarity within that roadmap the body starts to create the momentum and anybody who's been in business who's had awesome momentum you can see the results and anytime you slow down and don't have momentum and have to start over again it's super super challenging right so you want to make sure that you're staying away from the inertia right and then you also can have the stress tolerance so that's the biggest way that I've seen people really transcend and work through this process is having that roadmap being crystal, crystal clear, and then obviously having boundaries within your clarity too. So you're not hemorrhaging your energy and you're you're really staying focused on what you want to accomplish. Wow. Awesome. That's uh that's great. That's great information. Love it. I personally learned a lot yeah. from that yeah, sure. and, and throughout this entire conversation. Yeah. Uh Kyle, just want to thank you so much again for for being on the podcast. Listen, we're going to have links to your website in the description and everything, but also can you just real quick tell everyone where they can find you on social media? What social media platforms are you on? Where can they find you? Give uh, everybody a little bit of that. Yeah, it's going to be a little confusing, right? Because we have our old domain. It's, it's uh, www.highvibehealing.info. Right. That was our old company name. We're moving into a brand new system going into 2024 as I transition into a full time CEO role. Uh, but I'm very active specifically on social media when it comes down to contact. You can find me, Kyle Anthony Troutman, on Facebook, at Kyle A. Troutman on Instagram. Um, those are obviously the two main hubs. And then I can get you connected to the community. Like we have a very, very awesome community, whether that's on text thread. 
um, specifically on Telegram, but then also we have a Facebook group where if you're looking for any type of information or you want to talk and ask anything to the community, uh, you can get connected with them too. Uh, we have a lot of awesome people and it depends on where you're at too, right? We work with entrepreneurs, kids, we work with moms, like we're, we're not closed off, you know, to any type of demographic right. because okay. everybody, like I said, needs this. So very, very simple. Kyle Anthony Troutman on Facebook at Kyle A. Troutman on Instagram. Very, very active, very easy to get a hold of me. So. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was just a super enlightening conversation. Um, what you're doing seems really exciting and really helpful for the world. So Thanks for doing your thing. Yeah, thank you guys. I appreciate yeah. it. We appreciate it. Thank you, Kyle.